Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 1030, Doing What It Takes versus Taking What You Already Know How to Do, by Cal Newport of calnewport.com. And I'm Justin Mollick, your personal narrator, reading blogs to you mostly, but sometimes books, anything that I think will help you optimize your life. For now, let's get right to it as we optimize your life. Doing What It Takes versus Taking What You Already Know How to Do by Cal Newport of calnewport.com. The Unexpected Nobel. Eric Betzig is a research leader at the Howard Hughes Medical Institute's Chenelia Research Campus in Ashburn, Virginia. Last month, he received a surprising and life-changing call. He had been awarded the Nobel Prize in Chemistry for his work on high-resolution microscopy. Everyone who wins a Nobel is impressive, but what makes Betzig particularly worthy of attention is his unlikely path to the prize. One thing that any non-partial observer will confirm is that if you had met Betzig in 1994, the idea that he would one day win the most prestigious award in science would seem strictly absurd. The retreat. As scientists go, Betzig had a strong start. As he recounts in a Washington Post profile, as a child, Betzig was captivated by the space race. I can still tell you the names of the astronauts on every flight from Mercury to Apollo, he said. This motivated him to study physics at Caltech. After he graduated in 1983, he went on to earn his PhD in applied physics at Cornell. At this point, the excitement surrounding the space program had waned, so Betzig ended up studying high-resolution microscopy for his dissertation, a field that was becoming hot as new technology enabled breakthroughs in the resolution of microscopes. In 1988, Betzig moved to Bell Labs to continue his work on microscopes. At Bell Labs, Betzig helped improve a pioneering procedure for detecting the light absorption of single molecules to work at room temperature. The original experiments had required temperatures near absolute zero. At some point, however, Betzig began to feel restless. Technology wasn't ready to capitalize on the techniques he was helping to develop. Science goes through fads and there are big ups and crashes, Betzig recalled in the post profile. Quote, the microscopy we were using was going through one of those fad phases which disturbed me. It was being grossly oversold, end quote. In 1994, he quit Bell Labs to join his father's Michigan-based tool and dye company, where he'd remain for the next seven years. The return. In the early 2000s, Betzig was someone who had been involved in promising research a decade earlier, but not anything that was Nobel-worthy. He had subsequently spent the last seven years helping his dad's company optimize procedures for large-scale production of machine parts. Nothing about his resume predicted what would happen next. Betzig decided that he missed the basic curiosity of the lab. 
He wanted to return to academia, but he also knew that his seven years working in industry and not publishing made that almost impossible. The key word being almost. Betsy concluded that his only way back into the world of academic science was to hit a home run. So he began searching for a good pitch to swing at. This search, at one point, led him and Harold Hess, an old Bell Labs collaborator, to make Davidson's lab at Florida State where he learned about a new technique for fluorescing proteins. Though the details of the explanation are complicated, this breakthrough, Betzig noticed, made it theoretically possible to advance the research he had started in the 1980s. Working in Harold Hess's living room, the pair began making phone calls and begging for some fluorescing proteins. They then started cobbling together different prototypes of microscopes that would use these proteins to achieve unprecedented resolution. Their final result was attention-grabbing in the field, a microscope able to visualize the biological processes of living cells in real time without damaging the organisms, a major breakthrough. The year was 2006. Within a month, Howard Hughes Medical Center offered Betzig a research position to continue the work. In 2014, this work won him the Nobel. The Lesson Soon after Betzig won the prize, several readers sent me versions of his story. When I read it, I was struck by the following observation. When Eric Betzig wanted to return to academia, he asked, what would this take? The answer was daunting, a breakthrough too good to be ignored, but nonetheless, he hustled to make it happen. This strategy sounds obvious, but it differs from how most of us approach professional advancement. When faced with an ambitious goal, most people defer instead to the question, what do I know how to do and how can I make it look better? We take what we can do, in other words, instead of facing the reality of what it would take to get where we want to go. I don't exempt myself from this vice, and for this reason, it fascinates me. Why is it so rare to honestly confront what would guarantee success with a goal? Why do we instead default to tweaks and polishes on what we already know how to do? Why, for example, don't more academics obsessively pursue the type of home run swings that Bessig identified as being necessary when he decided to return to the world of science? There are some obvious answers to these questions, chief among them being discomfort with the answers that such honesty reveals, and there are some mysteries as well. But what's clear is that these questions remain something that I think anyone seeking an elite level of accomplishment must, at some point, confront. I also suspect that one of the main filters between those who end up changing the world and those who don't is how they answer this unavoidable prompt. You just listened to the post titled Doing What It Takes versus Taking What You Already Know How to Do by Cal Newport of calnewport.com. I'll leave it there for today. I hope you have a great weekend if you're listening in real time and I'll be back tomorrow reading to you where your optimal life awaits.